Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Good morning again. Welcome to Vertical Church, just like Pastor Brian was saying uh, just a second ago. Uh, we're excited that you're here today. We're excited that you've decided to um, to make uh, attending our Vertical Church worship experience part of your uh, Sunday. And I couldn't be more excited to be back here because uh, if we're friends on Facebook, I posted this week like, I've only done this twice since before Mother's Day. And so for a person who was used to preaching, I think I've I think last year I preached probably 48 out of 52 Sundays. And so having six Sundays off pretty much in eight weeks was maddening in my house is what it was. I was actually had so much energy, I was just bouncing off the walls and Hope was tying me down. She's like, you just need to relax. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to continue uh, our greater series today. This is actually week six. Uh, typically, we don't, uh, we don't take series much beyond uh, five weeks, but we've actually got a couple more weeks uh, talking about this idea of, of greater. And so um, uh, my name is Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor uh, here at VC, and um, let's, let's just dive in this morning. It's going to be good. Um, Let's, uh, let's start like this. I, I want to I preach to you a message today called Greater Blessing. But before we kind of really dive in, I want to, um, I got to confess something. And this is particularly important for those of you who call Vertical Church home because of, of, of what I want to share. And it ties into the message today. You know, they say confession is good for the soul. And so let's just give me a moment to kind of bear all and be vulnerable. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I really care what people think. About me. Actually, I don't really care what you think. People say what they think on Facebook all the time. I don't care what you think. I just click unfollow and I don't have to see it. But um, I care what people think about me uh, a lot, man. It is one of the, one of the like driving uh, things in my life uh, is, is constantly and consciously aware of what people are thinking about me. In fact, one of the great fears in my life is that I would unknowingly offend someone, particularly with my words, which is really difficult given with what I do just about every week. I, I use words to try to point people to life in Jesus, and yet I have this fear that, that unknowingly I'm going to hurt someone with my words. And when you put those two together, a person who really cares what people think about them, who also has a fear that they're going to hurt somebody with their words, and then you put them in a pulpit, one of the things that can happen is their motivation can start shifting. And I've, I've discovered that sometimes my motivation, and I know this is this sounds, you know, like I can't believe this is like a counseling session, kind of. Um, sometimes my motivation with what I say is more it's more driven by fear than love. And I realize this about myself, especially with the topic that we're going to talk about today. I've been more motivated by a fear of what people are going to think about me, to think about our church. Am I going to hurt somebody, offend somebody? What if they don't agree? And then I've got to get in conflict with them and defend what I believe, although I believe it with everything in my life. And so a lot of times because of that fear, I will, I will back up a little bit and be a little bit vague on some things that I believe are very specific about what God is asking of you and of me, particularly if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. And the reality is, of course, love requires us to speak the truth, even when the truth hurts. Some of the deepest cuts in my own life have been cuts of pruning, 
where, where somebody said something and exposed something in my own life that I, I didn't realize was a, 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 def, a defect, and then I see it, and, and God's able to do something because truth spoken in love always produces growth. And so today, that's what I want to do. I want to I wanna, I wanna speak the truth in love, realizing that, that what I'm going to say this morning there's a certain level of fear in my own life for how you're going to receive it. If you haven't figured out, I'm going to talk to you this morning about money. <laughs> I want to talk to you about money. Right now, some of you are saying, why did we come today? Why did I? And for those of you who are first-time guests, uh, please believe me, we don't do this every week. Like This is, this is rare, but I, I feel particularly led, especially in this greater series, to talk to you about money, but not just about money in general or vaguely. I want to talk to you about giving, but not just giving in general and vaguely. That's my default. That's my fear. That's where I back up, and that's how I preach about it. I want to talk to you this morning about a word that is incredibly offensive to most people until you get your heart right with Jesus. And it's this word right here. I want to talk to you about tithing. And I know right now you're thinking, oh, I should have just slept in. I told you Bush Gardens was a great idea today. <laughs> Why did we come to church? I want to talk to you about tithing. There is not, in, in, in many cases, there is not a more offensive word in our culture than this one right here. It has an incredibly negative connotation to it. It's a Bible word, and yet I, I shrink back from using this word. And those of you who have called Vertical Church home for a while, you know this. We don't use this word because in our culture it has such a negative meaning attached to it because of TV preachers and slick televangelists with selfish motives get up and twist the word of God and the teaching of God to turn God into a heavenly slot machine through this word. If you give your 10%, God will give you a Bentley. No. And so my response to what I believe when I read the God, the plain reading of the word of God, this is in there. And this is how I practice my, my walk with Christ. I do this. My family, we do this. And yet when it comes to preaching and teaching this, I'm a little vague. Let me share with you what we normally teach when we talk about giving. We teach three words, and they're these three words. Regular, sacrificial, and cheerful. And I stand behind those. Like, that's absolutely true. Yes, regular, sacrificial, and cheerful. But there's one of those words that when we come to try to define it, we get a little cloudy. Regular is pretty easy to understand. Regular, consistent. For you, it might be monthly or weekly or every two months or every two weeks. Whatever that looks like, we talk about it in the terms of regular. And the last one, cheerful, we don't want anybody, I guess I can give my money. You know, we don't want people to do that. We want you to come to God joyful. I get to give. It's my privilege to, to support the work of God through my church. But when I preach and talk about the word sacrificial, even in our ownership class, I find that I'm more motivated by fear of what people are going to think about me by how I define that word than I am by uh, speaking the truth in, in love. And so when I go to define sacrificial, I get real cloudy, and my fear makes me drop back and punt and pass the buck to the Holy Spirit to say, well, how, here's how you define sacrificial. You ask the Holy Spirit. Because I don't want to offend you because I care what you think about me. Even though when I read my Bible, I can tell you exactly how I define sacrificial in my life and our finances. 
But if you ask me about yourself, I'm going to shrink back and I'm going to say, well, you just need to ask the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe that. Don't get me wrong. It's never a bad thing to ask the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that that word tithe, that word tithing, I believe it's a sacred obedience. And I believe, in my honest opinion, that it is the starting place for generosity. It's the, and, and you might have to work up to full obedience, but that's exactly how I believe it. It's, it's a full obedience. In my opinion, tithing 10% of your income to your local church is the starting point for the full obedience to the word of God regarding your finances. And I haven't always said that that clearly. I've, I've been kind of vague, and I know as the teaching pastor of this house, it's a disservice to you not to preach and teach you exactly how I read scripture through the help of a community of people around me, scholars and, and uh, modern day scholars and past scholars all coming together and presenting to you what I believe will direct you into the fullness of what God has for your life. And if I don't do that, I'm not faithful. And I think on this topic, I haven't been faithful. Because I've hidden, hidden, hidden from you in, your, in the teaching of this church what I believe defines sacrifice. So, with that, I want to talk to you this morning about tithing. And again, I know you're like, why did we come to church this Sunday? It's going to be good, okay? It's going to be good. In fact, the, in this greater series, um, we've been talking about how greater things in our lives are often preceded by an act of obedience. And I believe this about you with, with everything in my life. There are some of you in this room, if you, will, if you will take a step of faith and be obedient in this area, that's what's, that's what's preceding you seeing greater things happen, happen in your life. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So let's ask this question. What is tithing? Like, what is it? You've heard it. You, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you have a definition for it yourself. I'm going to be bouncing around a bunch of scriptures this morning. They're all going to be on the screen. You can follow along on your YouVersion app. Uh, if you have that available, they're all there. But, um, but I want to define for you what is tithing. Tithing comes from a Hebrew word. And let me try to say this. It's going to be kind of nasty because I haven't had a drink of water lately. But it's mahaser. It's kind of bad. You gotta, you gotta say it like you got something stuck in your throat. It's kind of a you know a throaty sound. Mahaseh. Okay, that's terrible Hebrew. I didn't take Hebrew in seminary. Okay, um, but but it, it is an actual word, and it literally means a tenth. Like that's the literal definition for it. Ten percent. And so I want to kind of define, give you two definitions and thoughts about tithing. And the first one is this on the screen. Tithing is returning the first 10% of our income to God's church. Tithing is returning the first 10% of our income to God's church. Well, where does this, where does this play out in the Bible? In Leviticus uh, chapter 27, verse 30, it says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. Now, Paul's right there. You've got to keep in mind, the people where, where this was originally written to, they are farmers. Right? This is an agrarian society. Okay? They don't have Wall Street and they're not selling stocks and they're, you know, they're not, they don't have direct deposit and cash app and they don't have that. They have fruits and grains and livestock, right? So when they approach this, they're saying, listen, a tenth of everything from the land, everything that you grow, all your produce, all your crops, and every whether it's grain or from the soil or fruit from the trees, whatever, he says all of that, look what what, what is it? it Belongs, listen to how this is defined. You just gotta, 
it belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In other words, that 10, that first 10%, it is set apart and designated for another purpose. Think about that just for a second. A tenth, the first tenth of everything you and I receive, the, 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 the product of our work, a tenth of that is designated for another purpose. It belongs to God. This is what Scripture says. And notice that the definition, tithing is returning. And this is a misconception. We talk about tithing as giving. Bro, it's not giving. It's returning. And I know that sounds like a distinction that doesn't matter, but it's incredibly important to understand that our tithe is not giving. Our tithe is returning because the reality is it already belongs to God. I'm not giving something to God that he doesn't have. As a follower of Jesus, everything that I have already belongs to him. This is something that we struggle with in America because we think what we have belongs to us. We think that we actually have ownership of our stuff. And the reality is we don't. We don't. What we have. See, we think because of, because of our culture, because of kind of the ethos of our country, that if you work really hard and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and go in and work overtime, then you get what you've earned and you get what you deserved and it's yours to do with as you want and don't mess with me and I'll pay a little bit of taxes, but I don't want you to raise them, right? Because we have this idea that it's all mine. I work for it. I earned it. My job. Hey, listen. No, 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 that's God's. And it would be easier if we lived in an agrarian culture. It would be easier if we were all farmers. Because the reality is you can't control when it rains. You can't control if your crops grow or not. The best you can do is till the land and the soil and make sure that the, the, the animals don't come and eat your crop. But you're dependent upon God for the rain, God for the soil. You're dependent upon God. You know, if, you, if you're raising goats, you have no control whether or not your, your girl goat's going to get pregnant and have a baby. You can't control that. You can't control whether your sheep miscarries. You are completely dependent upon God for your increase, so it makes sense. Of course it belongs to God. But because of the way we live today, we don't understand that I didn't create the air that I breathe. I worked really hard, but I didn't give myself that intelligence. I studied day and night, but I didn't give myself the brain cells to be able to learn the stuff that I learned. I don't have that kind of creativity in my own. In my own, I am nothing. Everything that I have belongs to God. Everything that I have is because of God. And so we, we, we approach tithing not as I'm giving something that God doesn't have, but I'm simply returning to him something that he has loaned me. I'm, 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 I'm returning to him, and he's so gracious because he gives us all of this, and all he says is, I want you to trust me enough to give me 10% back, to return to me 10%, and trust that I'll bless the 90% that I let you keep and I'll stretch it and make it go farther than you can with 100. So tithing is returning the first 10% of our, of our income to God's church. Number two, tithing is returning to God my first and best so he can bless the rest. That kind of rhymes. It's meant to. Tithing is returning my, to God my first and best so he can bless the rest. In Proverbs, there's this passage of scripture in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. This is this. is honor the Lord with your, what's the word? wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Okay, what does that look like? He says, with the first fruits of all your crops. 
Well, why the first fruits? Because it doesn't honor God to give what you have left over. It, it honors God when you give first. When you, when, you, when you have a crop and you have a harvest, it honors God when you take the first of your harvest and you give it to him. And you say, God, this is set aside because it has a different purpose. It has a different designation. This is yours. I'm going to trust that I'm going to set aside the first portion for you and that the, whatever's left over will be enough for me. Rather than, God, I'm going to take the first and whatever's left over you can have. There's a difference there. And look what happens when we honor God with the first fruits. Verse 10. Then your barns, we don't have barns, but you just go with the, the analogy, okay? Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, you'll have more than you need. Because we, this is, this is the struggle that we have, especially if you grew up the way I grew up, which was um, we, we grew up just maybe hovering around the poverty line. If you didn't grow up that way, you probably don't understand this. And if you don't live that world now, you probably don't under this, understand this. But, but when I grew up, it was like, oh, wait a second. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have enough to make it. So shouldn't I, wouldn't it be more responsible for me to cover all of my bases first and then see if I have enough left over? To return to God what he's asked. And, and, and I get that. I get that. I understand that. And typically I would tell you, you know what? God understands that. And he does. Okay? God is gracious and he's good and he loves us. And he doesn't require anything of us that, that, that is too heavy. He's never put a burden on us that's too difficult to carry. But what I've discovered in my own life, even when I'm hovering around that poverty line, or sometimes when I'm way below that poverty line, that if I will set aside the first portion, I don't understand how, but the 90% accomplishes way more than the 100 if it was just in my care. We're going to talk about that here in just a second, but I want to shift gears and I want to ask a different question. We've answered the question, what is it? But now I want to ask the question, why? What's the, what's the purpose? Why, why do we do this? Why does God want us to do this? Why is this something that even in the New Testament, God would say, you know, you shouldn't leave this undone? And so uh, I want to I kind of dive into that question. I've got three reasons. There's plenty more, but these are just the three that I want to share with you today. And the first one is this. Uh, tithing provides for God's work through the church. Why do we do it? Why do we set aside as, as believers, as men and women, followers of Jesus Christ, why do we set aside the first tenth and give it to the work of God in our local church? Because it provides for the work of God through the church. It really, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as, as frank and upfront as I can about it. When you tithe, when you set aside your first 10%, God is working through you and through the church that he loves so that the church can do the mission that he's called the church to do. That's exactly, look at this, in verse, uh, verse 10 of Malachi chapter 3, this is what the prophet Malachi says. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And, and scholars uh, throughout history have, have identified the storehouse, the Old Testament idea of storehouse as New Testament church. Look what he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Why? So that there may be food in my house. So that people who are hungry may have a place to go to receive nourishment. So that people who are spiritually wandering around trying to make sense of life can have a beacon of hope and light to point them in the direction of life everlasting. You see, you see, food in my house means that when you tithe, the work of God moves forward. And when you don't, the work of God is hampered. When you don't, people come to the house and they're hungry and they leave hungry because there's not food in the house. 
Listen, I believe that the, I know it's popular to say different things being the hope of the world, right? Like different political parties, different countries and stuff, and all of that's garbage. Do you want to know what the hope of the world is? The hope of the world is the local church empowered by the Holy Spirit of God on the mission of Jesus Christ to change the world. That's the hope of the world. It's not a country, it's not a president, it's not a, it's not a foreign power. It is the church of Jesus Christ moving forward on mission for him. And if that church doesn't have what it needs to function, then the mission doesn't get accomplished. Can you imagine what would happen if Christians all over the world took this step of obedience? entrusted to their local congregation who, who okay, managed it wisely, like we do here. We have people who help us manage what God has brought in, manage it wisely. You know, we're not like, we're, we're, not, we're not riding around in, in Escalades and Bentleys as pastors just because, you know, they're not doing that. No, no, we're managing it wisely, but everybody comes together and says, you know what, we're going to give a tenth of what we've received to our church. Can you imagine what would happen? It happened once. It happened in the book of Acts. And you know what happened? The, the testimony of that small community, you know what it was? The interesting thing, when people looked at that community, they said, wait a second. There's no needy among them. The only time where a large collection of Christians actually bought in and said, God, we're going to obey you in this area of our life. The testimony that came out of that community was, I've never seen a needy person. Because everybody just shares what they have. And everybody gives, and everybody returns to God. And it, there's enough for go around for everybody. Early Christians weren't dependent upon Rome to give them to, 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 to provide for them when they didn't have food. They went to the church. The, 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 nobody went to the Roman government and said, "Will you open up a hospital?" No, the church said, "We have so much financial resources. Let's open up a hospital." Where, nobody went to the government and said, "You need to take care of these kids." No Christians said, "You know what? We need to do. We need to start an orphanage because we have financial funding because people are taking the step of tithing and they're giving to God, returning to Him." Every great movement like that in the, in the history of the world has not been started by a, a, a social entity. It's been started by the church. When the church gets a, a, a vision for the mission of God and they, 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 they put it fully into practice in the area of their finances, it's unstoppable, man. So number one, as, as bluntly as I can say it, we, we tithe because tithing provides for the work of God through the church. Number two, tithing teaches me to put God first. Tithing teaches me to put God first. First, giving a ten, the first 10% of my income teaches me to put God first. Check this out, Deuteronomy chapter 14. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. And look what he says, what happens when you do that. Doing this will teach you to always, always to fear the Lord your God. In other words, it'll teach you how to put God first. It'll teach you how to prioritize God in your life. There are a few more tangible measures where you can see if God is first in your life than this one right here. This is, this is where you can see real evidence of how real your faith is. Why? Because it takes faith to give the first. It does. It takes faith. You know what doesn't take faith? Let's say God gives you, let's just make it easy. God gives you $100, okay, because that's real easily to divide in tens, okay? So if God gives me $100 and I say, okay, 
thank you, God. I'm going to, before I do anything else, I'm going to give you the first 10, and I'm just going to trust that, that the rest of the 90 is going to be stretch out and cover everything I need to cover. That takes faith. You know what doesn't take faith? Oh, thank you, God, for the 100. Let me pay this, 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 this. Oh, well, look, I've got 15 left over. Here you go, God. Here's 10. That doesn't take faith. There's no, there is zero faith in that. And scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It takes faith to say, God, I'm going to give you the first portion and trust that somehow you're going to stretch the other 90. I don't always know how it's going to happen, but I trust you. What is trust? Trust is faith because tithing builds my faith. It teaches me how to put God first. That's why the order matters. In the Old Testament, um, this is crazy. I wish we had time to talk about how important the first is because in the Old Testament, um, if, if you had like a goat, you would, if you had a clean animal that gave birth, you would sacrifice the first one to God as an offering. Trusting that your livestock is still going to produce more. You had no guarantee. They may only have, that sheep may only have one sheep the rest of her life, but I'm going to give the first one to you, God. If it was unclean, you had, to then, you had to then sacrifice for it. If you had a donkey that gave birth to another donkey, that first one you had to make a sacrifice for it. Why? Because, because it had to be redeemed. The first one had to be sacrificed or redeemed. Even as, even as people, wouldn't, like they wouldn't kill babies, right? So they had to sacrifice for the firstborn. Why? Because the firstborn has to be sacrificed or redeemed. Why? Because that's how you put God first. And that's why we teach the first part of your day. Listen, if you'll start the first part of your day, this is so bigger than money, man. If you'll start the first part of your day by setting aside some time, you know what, God? I got so much on my to-do list today, but I'm going to give you the first portion. And you'll miraculously see somehow God, God enables you to accomplish everything on your to-do list. Like you can accomplish more in, in you know, 23 hours giving God the first hour than you can with 25 hours if you could add an hour to your day. What happens? I don't understand. That's why, we, that's why we give the first portion of our week to God. See, a lot of people think that Sunday is the weekend, but it's not. It's the week beginning. And we as Christians make a statement to the world. I know i got to go to work today. I know i got to earn a living. But the first day of the week, I'm going to give it to God. And I'm going to go to his house and worship because that's how I'm going to start my week. This isn't the week ending. This is the week beginning. And we make a declaration that, God, I give you the first part my week. That's why at the beginning of the year we set aside weeks of the year to fast and to pray for God's blessing upon that year. Why? Because we're giving him the first part of the year. God, I could accomplish so much this year, but none of it will ever happen if I don't give the first portion to you. And so financials just fit in that same idea. And I know, I know, I know at this point you're thinking it sounds great, but you don't get it. You don't get it, Josh. If 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 I did that, I would have to make major changes in my life. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I do. I, I absolutely get it. No, 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 you don't. Because if I did that, there would be some things that I want that I wouldn't be able to buy. I know. I know. I, no, no, you don't know. Because if I do what you're telling me to do, we're not going to be able to go on that second vacation. We're not going to be able to splurge on that one vacation. I know. That's exactly what I'm saying. When you give the first portion to God, you have to sacrifice something to put him first. 
If I do that, you're telling me I need to reprioritize my entire life around God? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that as a, as a young Christian. I didn't get that. I thought, I thought that I could just, you know, uh, experience the benefits of God, but never actually step into sacrifice. But that makes absolutely no sense when you read the Bible. David says in the Old Testament, I will not bring God a, a sacrifice that cost me nothing. Jesus says in the New Testament, if you want to be my follower, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So Christianity inherently in the DNA of this thing is sacrifice. You don't get what you want. But if you trust me, I'll make sure you always have what you need. And, I, and my love is so crazy, you'll get more than you could ever want. That's the wild thing about God. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But I want you to understand, like, it's, it's, it's all his anyway. Like, that's not just God talk. Like, as a New Testament believer, that's reality. If you've given your life to Jesus, he owns everything about you. Everything in your bank account, your house, all of it. And he's saying, I want it all accessible to me. Right? And then this is, of course, like the pushback because, because oh gosh, this is, again, remember I told you like I struggle with fear, you know? And this is, this is where it would always kick in because you get these people and they're like, well, tithing is Old Testament. Tithing is under Old Testament law and this is New Testament grace. You know, that's, that's so Old Testament. Jesus never taught about tithing. Jesus never said we were supposed to tithe. And, 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 and typically, I would like just hear that person out and be like, well, you know, you need to ask the Holy Spirit because I don't want to, you know, offend them or, or make them think ill about me. But here's the reality, okay? First, tithing predates the Old Testament law by 400 years. Okay, Abraham, uh, Abraham just had received a victory in battle and he's going through by the town of, of, of Salem at the time, eventually became Jerusalem. And the priest Melchizedek is there and it says that Abraham gave him a tithe. This is long before the law to Melchizedek, which if you get to the New Testament in Hebrews, it talks about Melchizedek is a, is a, is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Some people would even say it might be a, a pre-New Testament revelation of Jesus Christ. So in a weird way, Abraham tithed to Jesus long before Moses brought the law from heaven. Tithing is not an Old Testament thing. Tithing is just a God thing. Well, Jesus never taught about tithing. Yeah, he did. He, he affirmed it. Check this out. Matthew chapter 23 Verse 23, Jesus is like blistering some Pharisees. He's just like, woe to you, woe to you, you suck, you're horrible. And, and look what he says, verse 23. You've got to read this and understand what he's saying. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth, a tithe of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then look what Jesus says. You should have practiced the latter. You should, have, you should have practiced justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have been doing those without neglecting the former. Jesus never said we were supposed to tithe. What, what, is that, what does that mean? You should be focused on justice, mercy, and faithfulness while at the same time not neglecting the tenth that you're, that, that, that you're to give? Like, that's... That's what Jesus said. Jesus is telling them, listen, don't forget the important stuff, like justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Like that's the, that's the important matters of the law, but don't neglect the beginning. Don't neglect the, 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 the beginning one either. Like 
People play that Old Testament versus New Testament card, and the reality is Jesus ups the level every time. Like, if you want to play the Old Testament, New Testament game, here's how it goes. Um, Old Testament, thou shalt not murder. New Testament, I tell you, if you have anger and hatred in your heart, you've already murdered. Whoa! Jesus, you just, you just cranked the righteousness up to the nth degree. Old Testament, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus, New Testament, I tell you what, if you look upon somebody and you have lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So in other words, you can't be walking along the street, whoa, mom, did you see that? No, 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 Jesus says, you've already committed adultery. What did he do? He turned, he turned the requirement up to the nth degree. Tithing, the Old Testament, give 10%. Jesus in the New Testament, everything you have is mine. All of it. And I want you to make it all accessible to the kingdom of God. Because I have bought you with a price, and you are not yours. You are mine. It's all mine. Number three. Number three. This is the last one. We're about to wrap up. Tithing builds my faith in God. We've kind of been talking about this already, but let's look at the rest of that passage of Scripture we looked at just a second ago. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then look what he says. This is God speaking. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'm not, I made this mistake in the very first sermon I preached. I added to the word of God. Like I've changed scripture, okay? I'm not doing that now. But if I would, <laughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a huge change. I'm not adding anything to scripture, okay? I just want, I want, I want, to, I want to make a connection to you with the series that we're in. Can we do this? Let's look at this. And see if I want to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out greater blessing. Pour out greater blessing. That's not a stretch. So much blessing, greater blessing. That's, that's not a, that's fair. Great, a, a greater blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says, God says, give me a shot. Try it. Prove my faithfulness. And see if I can't bring you a greater blessing than anything that you actually have the ability to contain. And a lot of times, like this is this is the part where the, the, the pastor will will kind of subtly twist that and like, you know, turn God into that jackpot. You know, no, it's not. There God has God has so many greater blessings that aren't monetary at all. There are so many blessings that can come from the hand of God that have nothing to do with money. Well, what are they? Well, let's say that you're married today, and you and your, hu you and your husband, you and your wife, you decide we're going to tithe together. We're going to take this big step of faith, trusting in God, and then together you see God come through exactly like he said he would, and all of a sudden your marriage grows, your spiritual intimacy grows together because you took a shared step of faith together and all of a sudden you realize a growing marriage is so much better than a little bit more money. Amen. Well, well, okay, what, what, what else? Well, let's say you have kids and, and your kids, you talk to them and you're like, you know what? 
We can't buy that new video game today. We have to save a little bit for that because we've made it a choice in our family to honor God with our first fruits. And so we give him the first 10% of, of everything that we receive. So we'll save for that. We'll have to wait for that. Maybe you'll get it for Christmas. And all of a sudden you raise kids who 10, 20, 30 years from now are faithfully honoring God, who love Jesus, who are pushing forward the, 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 the cause of Christ, standing on your shoulders because they saw what it looked like to follow Jesus. Now that's a lot better than a little bit more money. That's a greater blessing than having more in your bank account. Friendships, people you can do life with, a ministry where you can make a difference, having a church that feeds you spiritually, where you can grow and become more like Jesus, a place that challenges you to use your gifts for the work of Christ, that's greater than a little bit more money in your pocket. Those are greater blessings, but I don't want to mislead you. God may bless you financially. He certainly has me. He's, he's blessed people in this room so much financially. Because here's the thing, and this is, this is where I'm wrapping up. This is where I'm closing. We're going to pray here in just a second. Every, every tither that I've ever met in my life, their testimony is, I'm so blessed. God has just blessed us so much. I'm so blessed. And I can't think of an example. There may be, so I don't want to say every but nearly every, I'll go that far, nearly every person who's a non-tither, their story is, we can't afford to. Just think about that for a second. Every person I've ever met who gives God the first 10% of everything they receive, their response, without exception, has always been, I'm just so blessed. I'm so blessed by God. God has blessed me more than I ever deserved. And anybody that wants to argue with me about the validity of tithing or say that's not real or I don't, I can't, they almost always have the testimony of I can't afford to. And I understand that because I grew up in that family. My mom lived on a thousand dollar social security check a month. And my mom's testimony was not I can't afford to. I promise you as I'm standing here today, I heard my mom say multitude of times about tithing, Josh, I can't afford not to talking about mom josh he's just blessed me so much he's blessed me so much and i can't afford not to return to him a portion of what he's given me now listen i know some of you like some of you are wealthier than others and let's just get kind of where the rubber meets the road i can probably guarantee you most of you are living on more than a thousand dollars a month and without exception she told me over and over and over again i'm so blessed i can't afford not to do this. Every person who has ever argued with me the validity of tithing, none of them has ever been a generous person. They've never given more than the 10%. They've never given a fraction of 10%. Anybody who wants to break it down and say, well, I don't think this is really what God says, none of them have a generous heart. None of them. And I've had plenty of arguments with people about this. Not one person has ever been over and above the requirement of the law. This is grace. Does grace make it? So what, what you're saying is that grace actually, actually is less than the law, even though Jesus said that, that grace would, like you'd have to go 10 or 10 hundred times beyond the law, that the righteousness of grace is superior to the righteousness of the law. Like just, just think about it logically for a second. 
And here's the deal. Like, I, I can spot those of you in the room who are tithers. You want to know how? Because this whole message, you've been smiling and nodding because you know what I'm saying is true. You're like affirming because you're like, I know the stories. I've seen God come through me. I've seen, I've seen his faithfulness. I've seen his goodness. And you're just sitting there and you're like, yeah, I, 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 amen. I know exactly what you're talking. You are preaching the truth, Pastor Josh. And it lets me know that I'm not crazy. And so I want to I wanna, I wanna issue a challenge. This is the part in the service where most pastors would announce some kind of 90-day tithing challenge and do this and put God to the test, and we're not going to do that. We've done that before in the past. We're not going to do that today. Here's what I want to do today because that's not the point of this message. The point of this message is that is, is I'm not going to be driven by fear about something that I believe is obvious in Scripture. So I want to be faithful to the mission that God's given me. I want to teach this to the best of my ability. And the, and the point is this. I want you to wrestle with this. So you, you may need to go home and start making some immediate changes and adjustments in your lifestyle and your spending. This isn't, about, this isn't about the church needs more money to survive. This is about, as, a, as the teaching pastor of this church, it's my responsibility to lead you in the teaching to a place of obedience. That's what this is about. It's about obedience, and I so long for you to discover that 90% blessed by God is so much greater than 100% blessed by yourself. That's, right. That's my heart. That's why I'm preaching this, because I want to lead you to a place of obedience, and I want you to see the faithfulness of God on the 90 that is so much greater than what you can manage with the 100. Greater blessing often begins with greater obedience. Let me pray for you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.